Success Movie Rewind. We're looking at movies through a personal development lens, seeing what we can learn. Here's your host, Alex Stevens. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Success Movie Rewind. I'm your host, Alex Stevens. We've got another great film for you this week. We're talking about The Intern, a 2015 movie starring Robert De Niro and Anne Hathaway, written and directed by the queen, Nancy Myers. So you know there's going to be good kitchens and beautiful clothing and real people having real human problems. And we picked this movie this week, like our film last week. Thanks for pressing play. If you did a little double take, you know, the titles are very similar. We watched The Internship last week the intern this week. Some similarities between the two, they both involve older people going back to workplaces populated mostly by younger people in, in hipper contexts. But this movie is really, uh, it's very different. It's funny, but it, there's a, a more human tone, I would say, to it. It's more of an adult picture. It's not quite as light, uh, but it's really worthwhile. I hadn't seen it. I didn't even know that Nancy Myers was involved but I was pumped when I saw her name in the credits because I knew the problem for making this week's episode would be too many candidates for good clips. And so, uh, you know, she didn't, didn't disappoint. She never does. The, the first lines of the movie really do so much. They capture so much of Robert De Niro's character, Ben, but also about the movie itself and the things I want to talk about this week. So I'm not going to spend too much more time before we get to our first clip. You know, what we do every week on this podcast is we pick audio clips and we come up with three success movie mementos, uh, discussion points to guide our personal development journey through that week's film. And um, so I'm going to talk about those those success movie mementos in a minute, but I want to play the clip first. So this clip is Robert De Niro's character, Ben, filling or not filling out, but filming his video application at the online fashion boutique all about the fit, which is bought an old warehouse in Brooklyn and retrofitted it uh, into a new hip workplace of the future. But they're taking applicants for like a senior intern program where, and this was really happening. I remember reading about this, but where seniors who had retired, but still had a lot of business wisdom and knowledge could come in almost as an intern, but slash kind of like life coach, management coach, just you know, a dispenser of their accumulated wisdom, even though that, you know, because they don't want to necessarily put in the 80 hours to climb the executive ladder, but they can still offer, you know, the more timeless pieces of wisdom rather than debugging your Microsoft Outlook or, you know, something like that. And so here's Ben uh, describing himself and, of course, in the course of doing so, laying out some of the issues that the movie's going to deal with and that we're going to talk about today. So let's give a listen. Freud said, love and work, work and love. That's all there is. Well, I'm retired and my wife is dead. As you can imagine, that's given me some time on my hands. My wife's been gone for three and a half years. I miss her in every way. And retirement, that is an ongoing, relentless effort in creativity. At first, I admit I enjoyed the novelty of it. Sort of felt like I was playing hooky. I used all the miles I'd saved and traveled the globe. The problem was no matter where I went, as soon as I got home, the nowhere to be thing hit me like a ton of bricks. 
I realized the key to this whole deal was to keep moving. Get up, get out of the house, and go somewhere. Anywhere. Come rain or shine, I'm at my Starbucks by 7.15. Excuse me, if I can join you here. Can't explain it, but it makes me feel part of something. How do I spend the rest of my days? You name it. Golf, books, movies, pinochle, tried yoga, learned to cook, bought some plants, took classes in Mandarin. Zhang Zimwa, Hua, Jamadao, Jiguala. Translation, believe me, I've tried everything. And then, of course, there are the funerals. So many more than I could imagine. The only traveling I do these days is out to San Diego to visit my son and his family. They're great, I love them to pieces, but to be honest, I think I probably relied on them way more than I should. Don't get me wrong, I'm not an unhappy person. Quite the contrary. I just know there's a hole in my life and I need to fill it. Soon. All right, so what I love about this clip is it establishes Ben's character as someone who's so self-aware and it's clearly come from a, a life lived. And uh, he knows himself well enough to know that he by himself is not enough. And he's adrift without his wife. And he's got a hole in his heart. And I think the first line, you know, the opening quote from Freud that there's love and work and work and love is so great for this movie. And it, it, it really does capture the movie. Uh, so well, but I think the monologue introduces the third element, you know, with the funerals, which is you know, underneath it all, we're all trying to live a life knowing that it's a limited time and uh, it, it can be a scary thing as well. And so when you find yourself without a life script or without an important relationship, you know, as someone's either died or moved on. Um, you find yourself confronted again with these fundamental questions. What, what am I doing? How am I going to relate uh, on this earth? And the answer is always going to be uh, something that relates to your past, whether it's applying a successful lesson from your past or recognizing a pattern from your past so that you can move beyond it. And so I wanted to talk about those concepts this week in relation to a term from psychoanalysis called transference, which means a lot of things or it's been defined a lot of ways over the years. But my favorite definition comes from uh, Professor Doris McElwain, uh, who did a or a series of her lectures are available as a podcast called The Philosophy of Psychoanalysis. And she calls transference the operation of the past in the present moment, okay? And uh, I, I know that, or if, you, if you're familiar with psychoanalysis or therapy or anything like that, you may have heard this term and you may even recall uh, the, the usual way that it's used, which is to refer to a patient who in the course of a bunch of big feelings coming up during therapy, uh, falls in love with their therapist or uh, starts treating them like a parent or both. Um, and of course, that's, that's an obvious example of old feelings coming into a new context. And that's useful in the therapeutic context. A good therapist knows to look through that 
and to work through those feelings um, so that progress can be made because those are the same feelings that usually has the patient on the therapist's couch. And so it's a good thing, um, but I like this movie because it really makes the point that we're all kind of ready whenever we're trying to connect with someone, we're going to do it. You know, we, it's often because uh, we have a new need for a connection because an old connection is no longer available. And we're always going to do it using a model from the past. And so it's always going to involve this concept of transference, but it doesn't have to be this awful, crazy, scary thing that happens on the therapist's couch. That can happen. But it can also just be, hey, I used to have a relationship in my life and now I don't. And now I have a need. I want to feel that same, you know, I want to feel that same feeling. I want to give that same love. Uh, that means you're going to engage in some sort of transference. That empty feeling is going to transform and you're going to transfer it into a new way of relating to other people, maybe a specific person, maybe a group of people, maybe the world at large. Um, but the clip really does drive it home that it's a thing you can recognize like, hey, I'm, I'm set up for some transference right now. And uh, it's, it's more obvious when it's happening than when it's about to happen. But the movie makes clear it's about to happen because Ben has this hole in his heart. And that's always when we're, you know, people will come into our lives to fill it one way or another because we will make them do it. And that's really what transference is. And that's kind of what Freud discovered uh, when he first identified this phenomenon. He wanted to be like a blank slate, he, no facial expressions. Patients don't even look at Freud uh, when they're on the couch free associating because he just wants to be the implacable, all-knowing, you know, inscrutable therapist authority figure. Uh, but of course, what he did inadvertently was remind all of his patients, many of whom were women, of male authority figures in their lives, most importantly, their fathers, usually. And then they would start treating him like their father. What, No matter what he had to say about it, they would uh, project characteristics onto him uh, and try to relate to him that way because that's the operation of the past and the present moment. And so that's our first success movie, Memento. Uh, before we go down the road to talking about how transference can actually work in real life, I just wanted to set the stage and use Ben as a mouthpiece there to emphasize that transference is a tool. It happens all the time. It, it can be unfamiliar because these are big feelings that you don't feel every day. And that's because they come from the past. They often come, you may not even have words when you're experiencing it because they're encoded in a part of your brain that was making memories pre-verbally. You know, you're, it's just slamming your amygdala with like just infantile terror. Um, you know, so you got to remember this is a tool. I'm going through this for a reason when I'm feeling these big feelings from the past in the present moment so that you can relate appropriately. And uh, you can be like Ben. You can be calm and you can be like, hey, this is what's going on. I'm feeling lonely. Uh, the last time I felt lonely was this. And then I wasn't lonely anymore because I married my wife. And, oh, she's not here anymore. And now I, I need to relate to new people. Now, does that mean you get remarried? Not necessarily. That's not what Ben's looking for. But we sublimate these needs. And I think that brings us back to the Freud quote about love and work. Because work really is a sublimation of the desire for love, in my opinion. You know, there's nobody less productive than somebody in the honeymoon phase of a new relationship. Uh, all they care about is the new relationship. You know what I mean? 
Um, but when we're, you know, looking for more from the world, more connection from the world, or even just safety and material comforts, um, you know, that's because the world's not loving us, you know, unconditionally the way it did when we were infants, if things went well, and we had caregivers that took care of us, uh, as well as they could. And so, you know, we go out and we work to make that change. And that's, that's love and work. And, but beneath those, I think, again, the funerals are such an important point of that monologue because they're both a quest for safety. Um, and they're both, you know, things that get kind of embedded in our personality underneath like a fear of death and a need for safety. You know, the way that we love and the way that we work, the way that we relate to other people in a being state and the way that we work, the way that we put ourselves in the world into a becoming state or a a changing state. Those really are adaptations from early in life regarding how we relate to people. So if we have what John Bowlby and many other people call the a secure attachment to our early caregivers, then transference is easy. We find people that remind us of those early caregivers and we relate to them in a healthy way. Uh, and they respond to that because they're drawn to us for the same reasons. And everybody grows and develops and, and things go well. That's transference being a positive tool. Um, but the scarier part is when it's a little more dysfunctional and that's where it's important to remember that the ways that we love and work really are our personality and we, we are shaped by that early environment. And that's why we're so vulnerable when we become adrift as adults, when our relationships change or our lives change and the patterns that we've embedded into our, you know, very personas become maladaptive in this new context. And that means we have those old feelings that, that, you know, the need for, for love and safety uh, that we were satisfying are suddenly unsatisfied and exposed. Um, but again, what that means is that you need those new patterns and you can get there through new relationships um, purposefully and mindfully. And that's what we're going to talk about um, as we continue on this episode. We're going to meet Anne Hathaway's character and we're going to talk more about the, the scary part of transference and, and how it actually works what might trigger it, what it looks like in practice, and what we can learn from it. We've been talking about transference. We're talking about, you know, the fact that these are early emotions in life that underscored our very, very early personal development and uh, our literal development of our personas. And that's important to remember as we meet Jules. So Anne Hathaway's character, Jules, is, uh, again, this is like a spiritual sequel to Devil Wears Prada. The movie starts with her at the customer service desk taking a call. And you're like, oh, okay, she's starting at the bottom again. All right, I've seen Devil Wars Prada, but okay. But then, whoa, reversal. She's actually the CEO. But she loves to take these calls because she connects with people that way. And that's our first sign, I think, that something's a little bit amiss because normal people dread customer service calls, whatever side they're on. It's like often considered one of the least desirable jobs because it's difficult uh, and it's not a human connection. But often, you know, exceptional people, even very successful, very productive ones like CEOs of uh, very cool fashion companies are in that position. They're literally exceptional because their personal development was an exception. It, they, something happened differently. And they relate to the world in a different way. And they've been able to capture something of that 
uh, and make something of that. But in my opinion, there's always an emotional core to that. And there's an unmet need that they're trying so hard to, to make the world see and meet or to meet on behalf of the world because no one met it for them. And uh, you see that in the development of Jules's company, all about the fit, the fashion company that lets everybody find their perfect fit. Maybe Jules is still looking for her perfect fit. But you also see it in the way she moves through her office. So this is, again, an update on the classic Devil Wears Prada walk and talk. The boss is in the office. People are handing her folders, being like, your 11 o'clock has to bump your 11.15. And your assistant's on the line with your, your daughter's dry cleaning. And, uh, you know, they mixed it up with your husband's Christmas present. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, it, it, but she takes it to the next level. She actually is on a bike in her office. That's how go, go, go Anne Hathaway's character is. And I, I think this is so important in in all work in like modern workplaces this is such an archetypal character on both sides of the gender divide or all sides of the gender spectrum um is a go-getter you know but there's like a an adhd quality not an attention deficit but a maybe a surplus of attention but most people call it adhd but there's just uh, your whole their whole brains and i've been in this mode but it's it's not how I try to be when I make this podcast. It's not really how I like to be anymore, but I've been there when I was younger when you're just like super caffeinated uh, and like Anne Hathaway, like my mode of this was like, you're barely eating. You don't sit down much. It's just one thing after another is grabbing your attention. For me, it was my inbox and my phone all day. You know, I couldn't, I had to stay late at night to do my actual work because I was just ping ponging all day with my attention. And I think, you know, after I left the practice of law for a while and calmed down uh, and really took a step and had to look at some some hard issues, I, I really did realize in a lot of ways that came from early in my life and an effort to control things because my attention, you know, I take a lot of things in and it, the world can be a lot, you know, and it, 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 there, I think there's in being hyperproductive or driven there's a desire to control and to shape your environment so that you know these distractions can be funneled but it's it's such a struggle and i think in many ways it's you know what they call like a trauma response or like an early life response uh you know and the film does it so well with anne hathaway's character because she's like so awake and her parents are sleep researchers and they don't appear in the film, but they appear on the phone and via email. And there's a lot of early life stuff that kind of goes on there. And we'll talk about it a little bit. But I just wanted to set the stage, sort of just some things to, to pay attention to as we see another, you know, kind of uh, montage, just like Ben's opening voiceover with his day to day activities. We get a glimpse into Anne Hathaway's head, including even a voiceover, as she's riding her bike through the office. And um, we see her, her, her day-to-day persona. And it really, I mean, to me, again, it, it does really evoke this driven CEO type. Uh, and we've all been there, you know, when you're really in go mode, just flitting around, you know, you can't focus on anything and you've got to get everything done yourself. And it's glamorous, but it's stressful. And the movie depicts it so well. So let's go to the the cool 2015 Brooklyn warehouse of this burgeoning fashion empire. 
Let's meet Anne Hathaway, and we'll come back and talk about our second success movie, Memento. Jules? I know, I know, I'm late for something. Yeah, everything. You see why I take customer service calls? I mean, it's so good. You learn so much. Okay, what's up? What am I doing? Okay, uh, Cameron was waiting for you, but had another meeting. He said be back at 2. Um, everyone needs you to sign off on tomorrow's homepage. Right. And your 11 o'clock is in the big conference room, so it's your 11.10. Finance needs you, and I guess you emailed a bunch of people at 4 a.m. about something? Oh, good. I forgot about that. I want to figure out a way for friends to shop together online. Make it less of an alone thing. Email me that idea, will you? Yeah, I like that. Um, is now a good time to call your mom back? Dude, I'm on a bike. Oh, what a mess. This is the middle of the office. Don't, 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 don't put that... Okay, so you heard at the end the voiceover of Jules looking, she was looking at a pile of mess in the, in the office and she's like, no, don't put that there. Why are you doing that there? And I think that to me, I just related to that so well of just you're walking through and it's just, you notice every little thing and you can't control it all and it's so stressful and it can just kind of power you all day. And it, it really, it becomes a cycle of go, go, go and then burn out. And it can keep you in a holding pattern, even if you're really quantitatively successful at your job. And I do think beneath it, there, there's like a, a fear or a, a terror of like things are going to fall apart if I'm not on top of them. And uh, that's real. And I think it's, it's from just, I don't know, a certain set of early life experiences where for whatever reason, the people, you know, just things that were supposed to be in control weren't. And as a child, I think we all have a tendency to overestimate uh, our role in things and what we can do, which makes sense. Because, you know, if a kid is in an environment where things are out of control, it makes sense for the kid to take on too much because then they'll do as much as possible that will improve their odds of surviving, you know? Um, so, and this isn't the case in this movie, but like a, a child, it's sad, but in an abusive household, will still love those parents because, you know, and it, it, you can think about it, it makes sense on an evolutionary scale why that would be selected for because it, it's, you're more likely to survive an abusive environment if you're loving, you know? And uh, I think that also comes up a lot in children from unstable environments or environments where they don't feel seen. And I think this is the, the deal with Anne Hathaway is not so much that her parents are abusive to her. You know, you don't get that sense, but they don't really connect with her. They don't say, I love you. They bring up comments about her weight and her health and they don't really recognize her success. And so you kind of see how someone gets to this hyper-driven CEO uh, level. And it's good. It's, there's a time for that, and there's a time to really push your strengths. And you don't realize until, you know, you're, not everybody's a 70-year-old retiree. Sometimes you got to push yourself closer to a crisis point. And uh, when that happens, again, those feelings are exposed, those underlying feelings. If you've ever seen a hyperachiever fail at work, and I've seen it a lot as a labor and employment attorney, uh, it's a regression and a breakdown. And often there's something of a narcissistic aspect of like a shame that like, oh, it's, it's worse to be seen failing than it is to fail, actually, because it shows a weakness. And uh, that brings me to our second success movie, Memento, which is that transference is terrifying. Uh, 
And in the middle of it, it's terrifying. And even if you're Ben, you know, the 70-year-old retiree, he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's the calm presence. Uh, but it's still a vulnerability and a scariness. But you get the sense he's been there before, and so he can work through it a little better. And that's why he's such a good pairing and resource for Jules. And so, you know, I was struggling a little bit in how to structure this episode because I liked the movie so much. And it is a great movie in terms of plot. There are a lot of twists and turns with everybody's relationships. There's a whole side of the plot involving Jules and her husband um, and their relationship that I, I, I just don't want to spoil too much because I really I did enjoy the ups and downs of the movie. So if you haven't seen it, I do recommend that you check it out. But of course, we got to do thematic spoilers, you know, the big picture spoilers. Uh, basically, what happens in this movie is Jules, because she needs to be so in control, she doesn't want an intern, you know, because uh, and she even says Ben is too observant. Uh, he sees her when she doesn't want to be seen. She's the eyeball roving around the office, uh, not someone who is, you know, taken in uh, and judged. And, you know, she actually has a crisis moment where she kind of she doesn't fire him from the company, but she says, I don't want you to be my intern anymore. And, you know, she gets a, gets him transferred to a different department. And that's because and this is our second success movie memento. Transference is terrifying and you can have all kinds of reactions and regressions and inappropriate responses. And Anne Hathaway and Robert De Niro basically have like a workplace romance without a romantic aspect. Um, but she even says when Robert De Niro meets her actual husband, you know, it's like you guys are my sister wives uh, because he as like an older male is meeting some of the needs uh, in her relationship in life that she's not getting from her current life, including her relationship with her husband, which again, we could do a whole nother podcast on that. But for our middle point, I just wanted to emphasize, you know, you can face this, you can do it. These big emotions uh, that people call transference when you're reminded of people from the past in your current relationships. Um, it's terrifying whether it's a, a big romantic feeling like Tony Soprano and his therapist or whether it's somebody at work who just, you know, uh, reminds you maybe of the opposite of the way you're used to relating to people. And I think that's the problem here with Anne Hathaway and Jules when she says that he's too observant. Uh, that's not what she's used to from her parental figures, and she reacts against that. But of course, that's exactly what she needs. Um, and so, you know, we could talk all about the plot mechanics of that, but the movie does such a nice thing for this next clip. It, it really uses that the, the character of Becky, Jules's assistant from our last clip, who's kind of giving her agenda. Um, it, it kind of like uh, gives an illustration of exactly how transference works in practice. And so this is kind of a humorous example of transference being terrifying. And again, Ben just comes through. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out, goodwill hunting, you know, everybody in the theater is crying. But it's terrifying for the person going through it. But you can get through it by relating to another person who serves as sort of a secure base of attachment for you to reconnect to yourself and keep working. So let's listen to Becky have a little bit of her own transference and work through her old issues with Ben's help and work through that terror. And then we'll come back and we'll bring it home with our third success movie, Memento. Becky? I've been 
here nine months, Ben, and she's never asked me to take a look at anything for her ever, okay? I hear you. That's frustrating. I mean, totally. I graduated from Penn. I have a business degree, but I never seem to do anything right around here. And you're like 50 years older than me, and you're deaf. I happen to think you do a lot of things right. <laughs> you do so much. Oh, I know. I know that. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't. I mean, I bust my for her 14 hours a day, and she never notices. Oh. Oh my god, I hate girls who cry at work. <laughs> How about if you, just as an experiment, try letting me help you? A lot of your stress is going to be lifted once you're out from under this mountain of work. And maybe you should consider leaving here at a normal hour once in a while. See your friends, have a little fun. Mm -hmm. I can offer my assistance in this area. I would love to, actually. I just don't want her to think that I can't do my job and I need an intern to help me. Okay, you're not going to want to hear this, but I heard women who sleep less than seven hours a night gain 38% more weight than women who sleep more than seven hours a night. What? I leave here at 11, I get back at 7, I sleep like five hours a night, and now I'm going to get fat? Let's get through this stuff. Let's do it together. Let's clean slate it. Let's just do it. Okay, so that's really it. That's the process, you know? Uh, if you find yourself at work with somebody, you know, going through a big emotion, or if you find yourself going through it, going through a big emotion, you may have a mentor like Ben, but you can also be your own mentor. You know, you can kind of recognize, uh, you know, these feelings, maybe your boss reminds you of your parents or whatever, and you can do exactly what, what Ben says to Becky and, you know, let's get through this. We can identify this. It feels bad but we can work through it. And you know, there's some humorous notes. I should have mentioned her ex-boyfriend's also there. So that's not Robert De Niro intermittently hitting on her uh, while he's consoling her. That's another guy who's there trying to make up with her because you know she's upset with him. And they're really parallel plots kind of of the bigger plots that are going on in the movie, uh, but that are much more complicated. But the process, that really is the process whenever you find yourself feeling, you know, what they call transference, these big emotions from your past and the present, when you're crying at work, you know, it's terrifying, but you can get through it and it becomes a tool. And so that really is my last success movie memento for this week. When you're going through this process of transference, it is a tool. It's a terrifying tool at times, but it's worth it. And it's because transference is an opportunity for transcendence okay that's our third success movie memento transference is an opportunity for transcendence because when these big emotions come back at work uh, whether through a relationship with another person or just the, the whole context um, those are old feelings that you still are dealing with. And even if you've dealt with them in a good way up until that point, like Ben did with his wife, when they come back up, it's still an opportunity to relate to yourself differently and to relate to other people differently. And so without spoiling the plot mechanics, what I love about this movie and the way it bookends itself is it opens, of course, in our first clip with Ben's day-to-day -day activities, and that includes a group of people doing Tai Chi in a park. You know, classic Nancy Myers, beautiful day, New York City park, people doing Tai Chi. And it really is such a, a good example or a good illustration of 
Jules's journey in this movie from being someone who's always on the go because she has to control her whole company even as her life is kind of falling apart to someone who can finally be still with herself. And she says that to Ben and that's really the positive aspect when you find, uh, you know, when transference goes well with another person, there's that secure attachment there that allows you to grow past those big feelings and into a new version of yourself that can handle them. And the way that you do that, ironically, is by being still and, and being with yourself and feeling your own feelings and feeling those big feelings and then kind of reparentifying yourself and naming them and identifying them. But all of that requires you to sit in that terror. That's why that was our second success movie, Memento. But once you can do it, then you can make a practice of it and then you can help other people do it and you can learn to every day look forward to sitting with yourself and checking in with yourself and making sure you're living a life that is aligned with how you actually want it to be. And so the movie does this so beautifully by returning to the park at the end after Jules and Ben have gone on their journey and and Jules, you know, her marriage isn't perfect, her company isn't perfect, but she knows where she's going and she's checked back in with herself and her values. She's confident to face the future. There's been a drama about, you know, there's like a political drama going on at the company that I haven't really gotten into, but she's got good news about that. But uh, the movie goes a little different way with that, with our triumphant scene of saying, hey, guess what? Here's everything great that happened that wrapped up the story. Uh, Instead, let's take a listen to our, our third clip as Jules joins Ben in the park for a little Tai Chi. I'm so sorry to interrupt. That's okay. Extend your left arm, Jules. Left knee up. Breathe and relax for inner balance. Am I doing it right? Almost. Got something good to tell you. Great. Tell me when we're done. Breathe deeply, Jules. Okay, so again... The, the opportunity for transcendence, I think, is really illustrated so nicely here because at the end of the journey, it's not just that Jules, uh, you know, has good news for her work life, but much more importantly, is she's in a place where she can do Tai Chi in the park and the news can wait and she can just be in the moment. And ironically, by sitting still and being herself, she's transcended those old patterns And she's learned through uh, a parental figure that's helped her resolve some of her issues from her earlier life, earlier life with, you know, her early caregivers. She's used that transference, you know, as a tool and an opportunity to become that fuller version of herself. But Ben did as well, you know, and he also at the beginning of the movie is doing Tai Chi alone. And now he's doing it, you know, with a a new person in his life, a deep, wonderful relationship that we've seen blossom over the course of this film. And so he's transcended as well. And they've done it together and they've they've formed something, their relationship that is greater than the, the sum of its parts, both in terms of being more than the two of them. But it's also helped them become greater than the sum of their parts at the beginning of the movie. Uh, and become more of themselves. And that's exactly the kind of uh, transcendence that we all want. And that's the way we get there. I really do believe this. I feel like we touch on a version of this every week. 
but we get there by revisiting the past. We get there by revisiting those big emotions. And transference is just such an important concept. It's so important at work. And I, I've seen so many cases of it, so many careers take, taking curveballs because of it. And no one knows this word. It's just not really used at work uh, or like in human resources or anything like that. So I'm on a mission to spread the word. I hope you've learned a lot about transference this week. I hope you can identify it if it happens to you the next time it happens to you. And I hope this has been enjoyable. So thanks for stopping by. Uh, I feel like I'm kind of doing a, a podcast interview every week, but you know what I mean? I'm like, thank you know, thanks for stopping by. Come back next week. I've still got a lot of love to give. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll be talking next week about, uh, Michael Clayton, which is an interesting movie about love in the workplace and a lot of other things. And I hope you join us. Bye-bye. That's a wrap. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.